And welcome back, Minnesota, to the Sue Jeffers Radio Show. Thank you for listening. Sue is enjoying herself with her family at the State Fair. I'm John Gilmore, honored to be in for her. And we're continuing the second hour. I have a little bit of housekeeping to do, ladies and gentlemen, something that uh, I would like to bring to your attention if you have the time and if you have the interest. I think it's a very good event coming up in the month of September. And then when I'm finishing giving you the deets, as the kids say, we'll have Doug Wardlow, who is the Republican candidate for Attorney General in Minnesota. Delighted he can make it onto the show. I'll ask him a little bit about his campaign. And I know he has some thoughts about next week on Tuesday. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh will have his Senate confirmation hearings to become Justice Kavanaugh of the United States Supreme Court, and that's very exciting. And for many people, that is why they voted for Donald Trump. That's great. I don't care whatever the reason was, and there were a myriad ones, but I know for myself and for many other people, the shape and direction of our courts are absolutely crucial for us, our children, and our grandchildren. And the importance cannot be overstated. I promised a friend of the show, Kim Crockett, who's with the Center of the American Experiment. She's a senior fellow there. She's an attorney. She has uh, a great deal of expertise in a couple of issues that are her uh, wheelhouse at the Center of the American Experiment. And on September 17th, from 12 until 1.30, Kim is bringing in uh, a couple of speakers to talk about the Janus versus AFSCME case. That's, in, in common parlance, the government union dues case. Uh, whether you supported what your government union did politically with your dues or not, you had to contribute. And uh, this year, by a vote of five to four in the United States Supreme Court, I'm not sure who wrote the opinion, I think it might have been Justice Alito, the Supreme Court held that that was unconstitutional. They had previously done that with respect to private sector unions, and uh, Justice Scalia died before they could reach the same issue only in the context of government unions. And so if you go to AmericanExperiment.org, you can find more information about it. It's a 90-minute lunch. Tickets are available there, or if you're familiar with the website Eventbrite, you can simply noodle around there to get to the same place. And they're going to have, um, interestingly enough, the name plant, the name plaintiff, Mark Janice himself, will be there. And it's interesting because I'm promoting an event where a named plaintiff in a successful uh, Supreme Court decision will be present. And the very name, the very woman of this show, Sue Jeffers, was a named plaintiff this uh, this term in suing the state of Minnesota with respect to our First Amendment rights, with respect to what we can wear into the voting booth. So it's very exciting. Not surprisingly, Minnesota media didn't give a great deal of attention to that uh, victory of Sue's, but that's the way that it goes. We are joined now by Doug Wardlow, who is running against Keith Ellison, if you can believe it, to be our next Attorney General for the state of Minnesota. Doug, welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. You're on the air. Wonderful to be with you today, John. Well, how are you doing? Tell us about your campaign. Tell us how you are feeling and and um, how do you plan to go against Mr. Ellison. And then when we're done with that a bit, we'll talk about uh, Judge, hopefully Justice Kavanaugh. Absolutely. So I'm uh, calling you from the State Fair. We're having a lot of good traffic through our booth here and a lot of enthusiasm. Things are going very well. I think people understand that we need an attorney general who's not going to play politics with the office, but rather is going to put Minnesota first and do the things that people expect their attorney general to do. 
rebuild the criminal law division of the office, prosecute welfare fraud. There are so many things that have gone undone in that office because the Democrats, who have had the office for 48 years now, have been too busy playing politics with the office to, to really do the job. Um, but, Doug, don't you think it's the case that Keith Ellison wants to, and I agree with you, of course, uh, don't you think that Keith Ellison represents a new, clear, and present danger to how we understand even a mildly politicized uh, attorney general's office as we've had under Lori Swanson and her predecessors? Don't you think that he's bringing a completely different vision, a completely different understanding uh, to his role, should we be foolish enough to, to vote for him? Well, that's right. He has said uh, expressly on MSNBC that he wants to use the office to lead the resistance against President Trump. So that means he just wants to use the office for entirely political reasons to sue the president over and over, to obstruct his agenda, you know, to, to, to go around Congress and the president and, and to go against the president that way and to fundamentally transform our state using the AG's office and the courts. And that's completely inappropriate. It is a, a new level of threat. To Minnesota and the rule of law, and, and we really need to take it very seriously. Absolutely. Well, the attorney general, the attorneys general of, for example, New York and California, some other squishy states, have tried to weaponize themselves and be part of that resistance. What What is your understanding? What is your hunch, Doug Wardlow, with respect to what Keith wants to do within Minnesota? I mean, he can join those knuckleheads if he wants in a lawsuit here and a lawsuit there. Okay, that's fine. But what's the real fear from your perspective uh, with respect to Keith Ellison using those powers of AG on fellow Minnesotans whose politics he doesn't agree with? Isn't that the real threat? That is the real threat, and he will join together with other Democrat attorneys general around the country to bring those lawsuits against the president. You know, Keith Ellison has some very extreme far-left positions. They're not positions that uh, Minnesotans support. Uh, his values are out of step with Minnesota values. So he's going to try to push his values through the court, his far-left principles and values uh, through the court, and fundamentally transform our state. You know, he stands for open borders. He was in a May Day parade wearing a T-shirt in Spanish that reads, I don't believe in borders. He recently said that uh, he thinks that borders in general, in general create an injustice, is how he put it. So uh, it's very difficult to see how a person who doesn't believe in the fundamental concept of borders uh, should be the top law enforcement official of the state. So it's very disturbing what he's trying to do. Doug, are you getting any pushback from fellow Republicans to tone down your attacks on Keith Ellison? No, not at all. Uh, what I'm hearing, actually, uh, at the fair, people are coming by and saying, make sure you take the gloves off, make sure you uh, let Minnesotans know the facts about what Keith Ellison is trying to do. I, it, it's completely appropriate to reveal the facts about Keith Ellison, because Minnesota voters deserve to know exactly what they're dealing with. They need to know that they have a there's a sharp contrast between myself. I'm going to get in there, take the politics out of the office, and and, and, and stand up for the rule of law. And then and Keith Ellison wants to use the office for political purposes, wants to wage political warfare from the office, and wants to fundamentally transform our state. So if I were to say that my understanding was that Congressman Tom Emmer and well-known donor Mike Lindell, my pillow guy, uh, were trying to get your campaign to back off of Ellison, I'd be mistaken? No, I haven't heard any. No one's trying to, to get me to do that. Absolutely not. You know, we, we, but I'm also going out and talking about the positive message of my campaign, yes. and you know that simply yes. is that we need an attorney general who is going to take the politics out of the office, an attorney general who's going to prosecute welfare fraud, rebuild the criminal law division, fight human trafficking, uh, really put together a comprehensive strategy to go after the opiate epidemic. There's so much work to be done. So I'm spending the vast majority of my time at the fair and then on the campaign trail talking about what I'm going to do as attorney general. Excellent. Uh, and you know, but but it's also important that people know 
that Keith Ellison has some plans that are that are out of step with Minnesota values. Right. No, that that's very much the case. Do you anticipate any debates between uh, yourself and Mr. Ellison, Doug Wardlow? Well, I have said that I would be willing to debate, and uh, I have not heard uh, that Ellison is willing to do that yet. So we'll see. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I want to finish up, Doug, and, and thank you so much for taking time out of uh, your fair appearances because those are very important. There's there's nothing more retail than the state fair, whether you like to go or not. Right. Uh, it's a bonanza for people who want to meet the voters. What's your assessment of Judge Kavanaugh? Do you think we'll see anything other than sort of prefabricated set pieces of outrage that will get 20 seconds on the news in the three days of Senate hearings that are coming up next week after Labor Day? Well, you know, we expect a typical you know, pushback from Democrats. They, you know, they, they had their signs protesting Judge Kavanaugh ready to go with magic markers the day that President uh, Trump announced the names. They could just write in the name of the judge on their, on their protest signs. It didn't matter who it was, right? right. They were just ready to obstruct and block. Uh, so they don't really care about the rule of law or the Constitution or any of that. But the good thing is that Judge Kavanaugh is eminently qualified. You know, he's written hundreds of, of appellate court opinions at the D.C. Circuit, which is really the second highest court in the land, you know, if you will, at least it's viewed that way. And he's just a fantastic jurist, a judge's judge. And what he's going to do is simply interpret the law according to its original meaning, interpret the Constitution according to its original meaning, and he's not going to uh, sit as a legislator on the bench. And that's exactly what we need. Yeah, that's exactly right. Doug, if people would like more information about your campaign and if they would like to donate whatever they can afford uh, within their budget, where would you send them, sir? I would send them to DougWardlowAG.com. That's the website, and you can also take a look at Facebook. On Facebook, it's uh, Doug Wardlow 4AG, but the website is DougWardlowAG.com. And, Doug, what is your Twitter handle in case people would like to follow you on that social media platform? Oh, absolutely. It's Doug underscore Wardlow. Pretty straightforward. Doug Wardlow, I know that all of Sue Jeffers, as well as Sue herself and yours truly, wish you all the best. I think you're, I think this race is, is yours to lose, both on the merits of what you represent and all for Minnesota voters, as well as in striking contrast uh, to Keith Ellison. So all the best to you and your team going forward. Thank you, John. My pleasure. Thank you again, Doug, for calling in. That was great. You're listening to the Sue Jeffers Radio Show. I'm John Gilmore, in for Sue. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm John Gilmore, in for Sue today. If you'd like to call in and talk, the number is 651-989-5855. Or if you'd just like to call in and yell at me, which happened in the first hour, you can do that too. I'm a good sport about it. Uh, in any event, whether you'd like to talk about things we've covered previously, which was primarily uh, the late Senator McCain and the proceedings uh, accompanying his uh, farewell uh, from the nation, entirely appropriate up to a point, but boy, after that point, it really became, I don't know, Stan, a yield of diminishing returns, I, I'm sad to say, but be that as it may, these are the times in which we live, and we are here to talk about it on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I want to move on. Uh, thanks again to Doug Wardlow. Sorry for that curveball question, Doug, but I did have a, I did, I did have, uh, I did have it for you, and I'm glad that uh, certain elements within the Republican Party are not trying to take 
Doug's foot off the accelerator. Um, I think he's run a very smart, very effective campaign so far, and we would all be lying to ourselves if we didn't say that part of the reason we have the best chance in 48 years, good job, Minnesota Republicans, good job, 48 years, that's willfulness on our part. It, it really is. Did it take too much effort to actually run somebody against uh, decades of Democrat attorney generals? Maybe the donors. It wasn't, there wasn't anything in it for them. Maybe you couldn't hire staffers or vendors because there's a culture of Minnesota Republican politics that thrives whether we win or lose. And that's just the fact. And if they can make money on a losing campaign or a losing endeavor, they're just fine with it. And you, the voters, you're just out of luck. It's just too bad. It's the way the cookie crumbles. They really kind of tried, but they're looking for their next gig. And I see this at all levels of Minnesota Republican politics. And something seismic happened when Tim Pawlenty lost the primary on August 14th. I think that element of the Republican establishment, which would be most of it, come to think of it, understood that something was different. Something had happened. Something had changed. They don't like the change. This does not work in their interests. And by interests, I mean money, power, and influence. And the set piece is think high school. Think high school lunchroom. I'm not being overly reductionist when, when I say that the key to understanding Minnesota Republican politics is kind of a high school mentality. Or think of the movie Election with Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick. Um, there's, that, uh, there's that aspect of it as well. Because we have now, I think, in Jeff Johnson, and I was always for Jeff, um, I had a lot of friends who were for Governor Plenty, completely understood the reasons uh, for supporting him. It made sense. I just didn't feel that it was going to take. I didn't think there was any nostalgia for the governor in the base. And, and he ran a very bad campaign. I'm not trying to spike the football, uh, PG, and I'm not uh, gloating. That's unseemly. You should be magnanimous in victory or defeat. And, and as I say, I had a number of friends of, of, of various closeness, you know, either working for the campaign or near it, uh, or certainly supporting it, and and the governor got you know what more than a hundred thousand votes. He lost by nine percent, which I thought was a very interesting data point that nobody saw coming. And I've written about this for Alpha News, alphanewsmn.com on the interwebs, but I haven't had a chance to visit with Sue's audience about it, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity. I simply want to say that I think we need all of those Palenti supporters to get behind Jeff Johnson. And, and for the most part, I do see that uh, that is happening. And I think there is due appreciation and gratitude for those people. Some I saw on Twitter the very night of August 14th, which I thought was uh, exceptionally gracious and, and well done. And I, I named them in a, a column of August 15th, and I don't need to repeat them on air here. They know who they are, and, and I think it's just not John Gilmore who appreciates them. Um, everybody who was pulling for Jeff appreciates the... Uh, team mentality now. I was ready to do that for Governor Plenty. I know some people on the governor's team didn't think that was true. I've got nothing to prove. Um, and in fact, I think, free advice, going through life, the only person that you should prove something to is yourself. And then you're good. But just make sure that, you know, you're accurate. So take advice, take comments from, from friends that you trust. But you don't have anything to prove to anybody else. That's nonsense. It's it's a dog chasing its tail, and it will always lead you astray from who it is you want to be and how you want to get there and what you want to do when you arrive. And it's it, and it may take a, 
a bit more time for some constituent elements of the Plenty Coalition to get there, but I think they will get there. And maybe they won't admit it. That's okay, too. But what I'm trying to say is, going forward, Jeff Johnson doesn't have nearly the baggage, fairly or unfairly, as former Governor Tim Pawlenty would going into the general election against Tim Waltz. And it's not a matter of fairness. If you think there's fairness in politics, you haven't been paying attention. And Sue's audience is one that does pay attention. That's why they listen to her. I think the, the, the profile of attack for these very effective, usually very effective uh, third-party groups on the part of the far left, and they've gone far left. I mean, if you're of a certain age, it's not your Democrat Party anymore. It's not your father or your mother's Democrat Party anymore. It's the far left. It's the cultural Marxists. It's the regressive left and their handmaidens in the media. And sometimes, as Rush Limbaugh has said, it's the media that takes the lead on these things and does the heavy lifting, and the Democrats come in afterwards to to exploit it for political gain, which is why it's so brilliant. Even if you think Trump is over the top and completely out of control and harsh on the media, he's going after the enemy, the fake news. And those are the people who think through their narratives, they can shape policy. They can shape politics, which will then effectuate policy. And so it, it's very interesting that I see uh, a better Minnesota, which is funded by, among others, Mark Dayton's uh, former wife, uh, Elida Rockefeller Dayton Messenger. And she writes six-figure checks rather generously, which I support. Uh, if you've got the money to be able to put in to your own campaign or others, I'm all for that. We have transparency to uh, let us know who's doing what. And so Jeff going forward, I, I've seen, and, and a better Minnesota ABM for short, is sort of my bellwether for how the rest of the groups on the left are, are doing vis-a-vis -vis Jeff. And the night of the election and the next day or two, it was like climate change. I mean, it's enough to make a cat laugh, right? I mean, it's like climate change, you know? Vote against Jeff Johnson because of climate change. That dog won't hunt. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous, but, you know, any port in a storm, that's all they had. Um, and they've moved on to other things like, I don't know, he's mean to kittens. Uh, I think they're going to struggle to really make Jeff Johnson unlikable to a significant portion of the electorate. Now, that doesn't mean they can't sway those voters to Tim Waltz's side. And I think that's what you'll see. Rather than try to go on the attack against Jeff Johnson, as they had planned with Governor Pawlenty, and that's just the downside of politics. You can be smeared and slandered, and you can have dishonest ads, and them's the rules. And, and the governor knows that as well. But a better Minnesota had already spent half a million dollars before the August 14th primary. And they are still, I think, in the process of switching gears. We've got Dan on the line who would like to talk about the Minnesota establishment on the Sue Jeffers Show. Dan, you're on the air. Welcome. Thank you for calling. Thanks, Thanks John. You do an exceptional job. Thank Boy, you. Very so kind. Well so great to listen to. It's so refreshing. Not that we don't love Sue. We do. We do. We love you both. And I, I'm. Uh, it's awesome. Um, you know, I think... Uh, really tough is for people to grasp that Tim Walls brings with him a leftist machine, a leftist machine mm -hmm. that we have not seen the likes of before. Maybe we have in the Dayton administration, but they want to take it another step farther or further. You know, um, it's interesting. I listened to a discussion on The Good Neighbor about a lady who was representing the mining interests. She said something pretty profound without mentioning any names. She says, whoever you look at for governor, please look at who he brings with him. 
into that seed and how dangerous, she didn't say, I'm adding the dangerous part, how dangerous their ideologies are to America. And um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I am a volunteer in the Jeff Johnson campaign. Excellent. Thank and, you. And uh, I, my question is, I know Tim Pawlenty raised all this money, and he has it's his money, theoretically, or maybe it's not his money, but is he, what needs to happen for maybe him to be encouraged in a positive way to help the Jeff Johnson campaign? And, um, cause, you know, he can give the campaign a, a lot of money, not a, a tremendous. I think it's $40,000 in aggregate Jeff can receive from other campaigns. Right. That That's the number I heard, Dan. I never practiced uh, campaign finance law when I did practice law, and that's the number that others who are no, more knowledgeable um, on the topic have said to me, the forty k. But if he could verbally rally... Uh, on radio or maybe spend an ad if that's possible and say listen now it's time to really support i was a privilege i was privileged to be your governor but please get involved any way shape or form to get these fine candidates elected because uh the plans of the left are dangerous i don't know what else to say about it no i i think you're exactly right i put it this way dan tim waltz wants to turn minnesota into a cold california across the board across the board. Well, Dan, we're up against a break. I really thank you for taking the time out of your day to call. I agree with you about uh, everything that you mentioned, and we hope that uh, that will go forward. Thank you for calling the Sue Jeffers Show. I, um, I, I'm not going to deign to tell Governor Plenty what to do, except to say I would hope he would encourage his key supporters um, to support Jeff Johnson. That could be done in a more private way than, you know, making an ad or having some strong social media practice. Um, and I think that you know, the, the governor is, I think the governor and his team are, are due some time uh, to recover. They thought they would be running a general election campaign. Nobody likes to lose. Everybody gets disappointed. And my my hope and my, my wish, I don't pray, so my hope and my wish is that uh, there's no bitterness. And I would like to see, to be quite candid, uh, tweets from Brian McClung and Chaz Anderson encouraging their followers and their fellow lobbyists and the donor class that uh, they're intimate with to support Jeff, but all in their due time. You know, you can you can talk and it's easy, um, but I am trying to be respectful of the disappointment when you read a political climate and it's completely wrong. It's just not at all what you thought it would be. And that's what happened, I think, to Governor Plenty. Um, I don't know. The details, and, well, I, I know the details. I thought I was going to talk about them today, and fortunately, uh, the better judgment that still marginally exists within me suggests that I shouldn't, because you're listening to the Sue Jeffers Radio Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Sue Jeffers Show, ladies and gentlemen of Minnesota. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue. Sue will be back next week. Stan Poggle is her producer and is doing yeoman's work, putting up with my 
amateur attempt to match the quality and content of Our Lady of the Airwaves. I gave her that uh, moniker, and I'm rather proud of it. Uh, Sue's a proud Lutheran, and it's starting to look pretty appealing from where this lapsed Catholic sits, given the shameful conduct of Pope Francis. It's really too bad that the pontiff, the Bishop of Rome, has decided to stay silent uh, in the teeth of very serious, very credible, substantive allegations uh, that he rehabilitated cardinals and others who uh, either themselves engaged in sexual abuse uh, and or uh, facilitated the rise of, of those other men in holy orders who did similarly. And lest our Protestant friends in the audience think otherwise, I can tell you that the rank-and-file Catholics I know uh, are outraged and appalled. They're deeply saddened. Um, it is, after all, their church. Um, I think it was John Cardinal Newman who was asked about the laity. And he said, well, they're kind of important. We'd look rather silly up here, all dressed up with no one in the pews. And it's good to remind oneself, uh, whatever you think of the Catholic Church, that uh, it is the faithful who define it. And there are men and women who lead exemplary lives, try to improve them, raise families, do things in their communities, as do their Protestant brothers and sisters. So I think it's probably sad news for, for all of Christendom. Can I use that word anymore, Christendom? It was a historical term, and now we live in this deracinated, uh, sterile, stripped-down, a-religious age where, where unless it's a certain faith, um, your faith is, is denigrated. And I'm not an atheist, but I'm not a particularly religious person, as people would understand that, but I think it's so important and I hope to God, no pun intended, uh, that it's not seen as condescending or patronizing in the slightest on my, point, on my part because the religious rights of Americans are the bulwark against Leviathan, the bulwark against the power of the state. And, you know, we can just think of the baker um, from Colorado who had to go to the Supreme Court to, to vindicate simple religious rights. And that fight isn't over. The Bolsheviks on the Civil Rights Committee in Colorado have gone after him again and, you know, to be continued. Uh, but it is it is a sad cultural moment sort of in the country and around the world because if you've been paying attention, the response um, from both the pontiff and from the, the Holy See proper, the Vatican, has been anything but reassuring. And people have a an absolute right uh, of any faith and all faiths for their leaders to be transparent and to accept moral responsibility for not having done so, for having looked the other way or aided and abetted. And, you know, we'll see if that results in the resignation of, of Pope Francis. Uh, if you want to get really in the weeds, I have a dear friend who's taught me a lot how Pope Benedict XVI didn't resign correctly. And so there's like this double conundrum. But... Enough of that. Um, it will resolve the way that that it will, and I'm sure that uh, we all hope for the best, no matter what your faith or or none. Frankly, it's very encouraging to see Republicans in our statewide races situated as well as they are. Um, you can look at Jim Newberger going up against Amy Klobuchar. I think he's doing a great job. It's a very difficult race for Jim. Uh, 
Amy has this reputation that is impossible to chip away at. Um, and it's not just media complicity, although there is a lot of that. But she has perfected uh, the senator mom shtick. And it's really hard to get any traction uh, regardless of how she votes. But I think Jim Newberger is doing his very best, as well as anyone could, frankly, um, in that race. And, and we wish him all the best. Um, in the same way, Karen Housley is running a very strong race against Tina Smith. I think they are rightly afraid of Karen. Uh, I think she's trying to strike the right balance. And simply by pointing out, I had Karen on, I think, the last time that I, I guest hosted. I, I was delighted for that. Um, and it's always good to bring you know, our people for federal office uh, to Sue Jeffers' audience because they're well-informed. And Karen seems to be consistently strong in how she's messaging against uh, Tina Smith. And my, my own take, for what it's worth, is if you liked Al Franken, you'll love Tina Smith because she's literally running to the left of Al Franken. It's sort of baffling to me, but that's what she's doing. There's no, um, there's no real doubt about it. You can sort of look it up. But in any event, Karin is pointing that out, I think, rather effectively. I think she's very strong on a range of issues. Um, I wrote the other week, uh, alphanewsmn.com, that I, I think she could maybe up her game a bit on the wall. It was early in the race, and in January she said, well, the wall isn't feasible. Of course, Karen, it is feasible. What you say is parts of it aren't feasible because we don't want a wall in the middle of the Rio Grande uh, River. It's a natural barrier. It's a natural border. It's a natural wall. But the rest of it is, in fact, um, very much feasible. And I think Minnesotans want that support in their next um, Senate, senator rather, who's a Republican. One Lisa Murkowski is enough, and one Susan Collins is enough, current housemate. So free to free advice to a campaign. Um, I really don't try to think that I've got the drop on these men and women who are um, brave and courageous, maybe sometimes foolish, to put themselves on the ballot and, and to go out there. I'll never do that, never in a million years. And if I was on a ballot, I wouldn't vote for myself. Are you nuts? I mean, it's just the way things are. Know thyself, okay? That was over the uh, temple of the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece. Know thyself. And uh, it's a continuous challenge. So there's always a lot of gratitude from me personally when I see uh, Republicans um, at all levels, from, from city councils to uh, our state legislature to federal office. And we can all do what we can through contributions. You can find them online. You know where to donate. Um, and if you have time to help, um, I think that will really pick up after we enjoy uh, spectacular weather in Minnesota and we enjoy the long Labor Day weekend and we get ready for fall. I know... Uh, I know some people I follow on Twitter, and they follow me, and we're sort of Team Autumn because that's my particular favorite season. Uh, it's kind of Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. And, of course, winter always follows it, but in some ways winter follows spring too, so I don't think autumn should get that bad rap. Um, all seasons are a precursor to winter in Minnesota, and that's how I, and that's how I would, uh, would put it. When we get back from... Uh, the last break, sadly, time has flown. 
Um, I want to talk about some cultural things that I think are percolating in and around the midterm elections. I, I think they're going to be in Karin's race and in Jim's race, certainly in Jeff Johnson's race. Uh, he's addressed them squarely and head on. Um, I think they filter out into Doug Wardlow running for the attorney general, um, as well as, you know, the other statewide constitutional races. And we will talk about the meets and bounds of those when we get back. You've been listening with gratitude, thank you, to the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. One thrill-packed quarter hour left of the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore, in for Sue. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for calling previously. And in the closing segment, I wanted to touch on a couple of things that I thought were of, of interest given contemporary society and contemporary culture and politics. Before I do so, a woman called in during the break, and thank you, anonymous woman, who suggested that it would be helpful uh, for Sue's audience to know something called the PCR, the Political Campaign Refund. And I don't like it, but it's there and it should be utilized. Uh, it's not about me liking it. Uh, we got rid of it for a period of time and then it came back. But it's here now. If you give $50 uh, to a particular candidate, to a particular campaign, the state, yes, Mammon, will reimburse you. So it's $50 a person, it's $100 per couple, and that is something that everyone can take advantage of. And so the calculus on my part is if the Democrats are going to take advantage of it, we should too. And so if you've got a candidate that you would like to support, uh, up to $50 of the legal limit that you can give will be reimbursed to you. Um, I'm assuming that you can go to the Republican Party of Minnesota website to find out more information about that. I would hope that that's being uh, emphasized and uh, and highlighted. Um, if not, I will give Kevin Poindexter a stern talking to, but I'm sure that that's the case uh, with the Republican Party because they promote that on their own, and then sometimes you'll see individual candidates. And this is for uh, a state race, for House or for Senate or for others. But for more details, look um, on the Republican Party of Minnesota website and take advantage of that if the spirit moves you. And thanks again to, to that caller because it, it is very helpful um, for the kind of candidates that we like to support here at the Sue Jeffers radio show. So where to now, St. Peter? Where to begin? I think we've exhausted everything that we've talked about previously. No need to circle back in any meaningful sense. Um, I thought I would maybe telescope out for a little bit with some observations and thoughts about the midterms that are fast approaching. Uh, the proverbial bottom line is I think Republicans keep the United States Senate, add some, or rather add seats to the Senate, uh, two, four, five. And I think we keep the House. That's going to be a bitter disappointment to the unhinged crazy left. Uh, if you think they've lost their mind previously, um, stay inside for a day because if they don't take back the house they're going to be even more enraged than what we've seen previously and and there are some days ladies and gentlemen maybe you're the same way you think they can't get any crazier they can't get any angrier they they can't become more unhinged uh, but i i think if they don't take back the house 
um, that's exactly what we'll see. And if you notice the generic ballot, which is polling, always with a large grain of salt, um, polls are still used. They're never going to go away. They were all wrong about Trump. Got it. Uh, but there's still money to be made if you can get more decent, more accurate polls. And, and we're stuck with them anyway because what the media complex will do is generate polls, uh, not because they're reporting on something, but because they want to report on the outcome of the polls to shape political narratives. They've become a propaganda tool. And so your innate healthy skepticism toward them is, is warranted. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's relatively harmless if you keep that in the in the back of your mind to know what's going on. Because those people, uh, the never-Trumpers and the unhinged radical left, live and die by them. Well, the generic ballot is is just that. It, it tests the voting populace's preference for one party over another. That's what the generic ballot is. And so you'll see it, you know, plus 12 Democrats or plus two Republicans and so on. And then they guesstimate what that would translate into come election day. And earlier this year, the Democrats had a double-digit lead. And it was ranging from 10 to 16. They were kind of all over the place. But they were in very good territory, the conventional wisdom had it, uh, for the Democrats. And that would necessarily, if you you know, calculated it out to its end point on November 6th, uh, a switch in the control of, of the House from Republicans to Democrats. The most recent generic ballot polling that I've seen has the parties even, or Democrats up two or three. This is a disaster. And there's also something that's it's a little glib, but, you know, the trend is your friend. That's kind of real. And the trend here is not good for the Democrats, and it is very good for the Republicans. There's also thinking that is somewhat persuasive from what I know. Uh, I'm not a polling expert. You simply try to trust, uh, trust the, the best sources and individuals who, who do claim to know uh, about these things. The, the common understanding, the conventional wisdom, is that the Democrats need at least double digits in the generic ballot to take the House back. Well, we're a long ways from that. Now, it doesn't mean that it can't incrementally trend the opposite way, and it's far too early to be... Uh, optimistic or confident, well, rather confident. I'm, I'm mildly optimistic because you put it all together and it spells, I think, to me, um, a base that comes out to support Trump because they know that in miniature, 2018 is 2016 all over again. And I think it's a referendum, and I'm usually loath to say, you know, election is a referendum on, but here I don't think you can avoid it. And we've seen President Trump over the last month, especially, increasingly nationalize the illegal immigration issue. And I think that's a winner. I think people are tired of being flooded with third world immigrants who have no reason to be here, no particular skills. Um, those countries, and if you were there, I understand the humanitarian part of it, but unless I want America to look like Brazil in a generation or two, um, I want the immigration laws enforced humanely, but strongly, firmly, and consistently. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has often gotten sideways with the president, as you probably all know. But the one thing that he has done, and consistently, is really execute on President Trump's uh, immigration policies, short of being able to appropriate the money for the wall and uh, 
you know, the attorney general can't do that. That those are our Republicans. Oh yes, that's that's uh, the congressional Republicans, and uh, they're unimpressive. And they really didn't want Trump to win either because he's disrupting their business model, and it is a business. It's you know you can put the patriotism to one side. I don't mean to denigrate it in the least, but take a cold, calculated look. These people are in it for themselves. Um, it's an unpleasant business, but it's better than you know something other than democracy. So we have to get more like-minded Republicans into the Senate and into the House to have a chance of really bear, of of really pushing the remaining agenda that President Trump won on. And I'm I'm quietly optimistic that things are going that way. The Democrats have nothing to offer us except hatred and vitriol and wanting to impeach Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. They both try to dial that down because they know the American people from both parties, that, that maybe mythical middle. We just had a presidential election. The Russians didn't throw it, and we don't want a, we don't want a president uh, impeached so that you get a do-over. And I think while they try to dial that down, their heart and soul is with their base. I don't know who captured whom. You know, I don't know if the far left captured the moderate Democrats or if, you know, the far left uh, morphed from the moderate Democrats. And in any event, the choices, I think, throughout the country for Senate and for the House will be very stark. I think there's a strong economy. You don't have to take my word for it. The, the data is overwhelming. Um, and I think people want the general direction of what has been accomplished by President Obama and, and his team to continue. I, I think conservatives are elated with his judicial picks. I, I think they're just absolutely sterling and really could not be improved upon. And so that's a good thing as well. So I think that what we'll see between now and November 6 is a steady consolidation of the electorate behind various House candidates in the House races. And we'll also see some competitive Senate races, but ones that I think in the end will go toward the Republicans. And I certainly think that Karen Housley vis-a-vis Tina Smith is one of those. Um, I think they're both going to be running as, as hard as they can but Housley has so much more to offer, uh, not only in terms of policy prescriptions and ideas, and, but in terms of that sort of likability. Uh, it's hard not to like Karn um, as a candidate, as she uh, comes off, as who she is. And she doesn't have to practice. She doesn't have to posture. She doesn't need um, handlers to let who she is come through. And unfortunately, that's not true with Tina Smith. And she's a little, you know, she's a little scary, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Stan, thank you for your help with me at the no microphone problem, here. All right. And Sue, thank you. I hope you had a great time at the State Fair. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for taking the time to listen to this live or the podcast on iHeartRadio. This has been John Gilmore in for Sue, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Faces crease and her eyes seem strange. There's a second hand emotion out of that at 45. My tears were never enough to keep that girl alive. And now she seems contrived. 
Yeah.